Last Pause, thing, last thing I want to do is try to rap drunk. Anyway, you, you, you got at least a solid sixteen. Nah, I mean, you know, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should do some vocal warm-ups, guys. Unique New York, unique New York. Right. The cantaloupe eloped with the Pope to Stanconia. Robocop caught the robbers. You gotta you gotta train your tongue, you know what I mean? How to get better into that. Hey, I like that. That's Phonics in the background. Hello, beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to the Mega Late Show, the number one hip-hop and dope culture podcast in Tokyo, in Japan. It is Friday, and Late and I... Hello, Late. Yo, what's poppin'? That's right. Late is here, as usual. We're always locking this shit down. And uh, we're bringing you new episodes featuring dope artists, arts, creatives, influencers, uh, Darwin, Galapagos Island, Evolution, Mutants, anybody that's around that is really dope here in Tokyo. And we're capturing all of that like... uh, like dope culture caught in a, uh, a podcast Pokeball, Chill. so to speak. Yep, 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 yep. And I am Mega, and this is episode 40. And today we have not only one, not only two, not only three, not o- and, and actually four dope producers here in studio. And on the third mic today, we have our good guy Phonics, who you guys will recognize from episode 15 or something like that. Peace, Phonics. Yo. That's right, Phonics on a third mic today. And Dallinger is uh, also paying attention to the DAW to make sure that the sound quality is dope. Shout out to Dallinger for editing the last episode of the podcast, which came out with Jordan Apes Smith, which sounds really good. So check that one out. Um, Yeah. And so today, these cats are some of the dopest, head noddingest beat makers here in Tokyo. And if you listen to them all day, your neck's going to be hella strong. You're going to have like a six pack on your neck. Your, your Adam's apple is going to look like a bicep. And if you flex your neck, if you flex your neck, it's going to be all striated like Thanos' chin after listening to these guys' beats because these are just head-nodding-ass beats. That's right, fuckers. With a hard ER, fuckers. We have Fitz Ambrose and Submerse in the studio. Can we get an applause drop? I think, there we go. Slow applause. And if you don't know Fitz... Ambrose, and you don't know Submerse, and you haven't been listening to the podcast because we have definitely talked about them several times. And in fact, Fitz has done a lot of work with our guy Buddha Monk, who was on the podcast. I want to say, what was that, episode 13? Late? A little while back. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, Fitz and Submerse have released a lot of music over the years, and they've been in Tokyo for several years uh, working within the beat scene. Uh, Fitz's project hypnotical came out this year uh last year fitz also had doe quarters which was the jam and i picked that one up and also submerse came out with an album last year called you are anywhere which is also the fucking jam thank you guys for uh coming through to the podcast man good to see yeah, you thank you man word when did, this has been a long time coming yes late we've been fucking waiting for this shit yeah man especially i mean Fitz has been there since our inception, actually. So. That is true. Actually, when we decided to come up with the podcast, Fitz was outside chilling and shit. <laughs> and for a whole minute, we thought Fitz was the one that gave us the idea to do a podcast. Because we were chilling outside of a, a show. I forget what beat show that was. Ant, maybe Ants? At Ants, yeah. Ants. And, and this is like two years ago now almost, right? And uh, we were talking about drill music being like uh, Chicago drill style rap music being like black people death metal. 
And so, uh, yeah, and then we asked Fitz, and Fitz was just like, I don't know, man, you know what I mean? You know how Fitz is fucking <laughs> cool as shit with the deep-ass voice? Hey, I don't know, man, shit. And I was like, where, where, yo, Fitz Ambrose. But yeah, so that's kind of the inception of the podcast, man. We're happy to have them on here. Of course, as our listeners know, we're going to go ahead and talk to them about things they like and then find out how they got to Japan, their music-making process. We'll also share some tracks that they made. And I think you guys have an upcoming project where you guys are doing together. Yeah, we uh, we just released that like uh, about a month ago. Oh, how did I see? How did I miss that? Yay. What's the name of that project, man? Villa Rosa. Villa Rosa. It's the Ville, baby. Hey. Yeah. I, I didn't hear that. I didn't I didn't even know that one came out, man. I gotta pick that up. I also did not know about Hypnotical that came out. The last joint I got from Ufis was uh Doe Quarters, which I have on repeat often. But yes, should we do a commercial break? <laughs> Yo, shout out to Phonics on the 404. You're gonna hear a lot more of that today. So, uh, yeah, uh, this episode is, and every episode is brought to you in part by CalCombs.com. CalCombs is a rapper, and he's here in Tokyo for another month, and he's released three albums while we've been sponsored by him. The first being, oh, uh, Insignificant Positivity. Two. Oh, but since the he first was, one was already out. All right. Carmel came out as well and as 505. 505 and yeah. those are really dope. So go to his website. You can purchase those albums along with a lot of apparel that he makes. Also, our uh, homegirl. Afro Unofficial Day. member 12, yeah, released her album on his uh, website label. Uh, I don't know the name. I don't know I don't the name. Let's see. Do we know the name? I don't think we know the name. I think it might take too long. Is this an Two actual seconds? timer? No, no, no. no, no. Uh, but yeah, go out to check them out. Also, go check out um, KeenJoaquin.com, who does a lot of design work. He designed our new logo. And uh, look for some stuff coming up with him and us uh, in terms of apparel as well. And also, I want to give a shout out to Harry's Sandwich Shop oh, in yes. Harajuku, which shout the homie Harry is making some of the best uh, American-style sandwiches in uh, Tokyo. Oh, snap. I don't even know about this. Bro, it's brand new and it's delicious. I'm going to put you onto this immediately. I'll go on and say the best. It is the oh, best. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like uh, if if the sandwiches at Convenience are like uh-huh. a two, then these sandwiches are like an 18. Wow. Top tier sandwiches. Meatballs. We were there last night uh, chilling, and they also play a lot, a lot. Of Sean Price. <laughs> yeah, like the, it was all Sean Price music wow. going on. So it's a, it's a nice vibe, man. He's a good cat. And um, also I want to give a shout out to um, the Culture Cafe run by Shucks One out in Saitama. Shucks is a very dope member of the hip-hop community out here. He hasn't been doing much lately but that's our guy hopefully we'll have him on the podcast soon as well and yo that uh aphrodite album is called from dark to light a love journal shout out to conspiracy chalice let's get a bomb that was the crowd actually being blown up <laughs> but but yeah yeah word um let's go into uh the temperature check segment of the podcast which is where we just ask you guys a couple questions about your taste in music and kind of find out what you, where you guys are at on some opinions and uh earlier we were talking if we're still keeping a, if you guys were still keeping a rap and you mentioned uh Summers mentioned drake that he li- recently listened to the new drake album now i'm going to go ahead and say we are not going to talk about drake on the podcast i just want to make that <laughs> clear for the listeners <laughs> Yeah, I will not be listening to that. But um, okay, let's start it off, man. I'm sure you guys have heard of the Wu Tang Clan. Oh yeah. Who is your favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan? Method Man. Method, Method Man. Yep. Easy, easy answer. Yeah. Method Man. Pretty quick. Both of you? No, I would say for me is uh, Ghost and Ray, but probably Ghostface. I just, think just because of you know his library is the craziest, the deepest. And just rap, rap wise, he's—I don't know. I, I can't say he's the best, but for me, I just 
that's probably of the Wu solo artist the one I bumped the most over the years for sure I think it's clear that he has the strongest um, the strongest catalog yeah, yeah. everybody and he's been most I think that too yeah. I think mine's based off pure nostalgia like when I grew up as a kid uh, on like Wu-Tang and Redman was my favorite rapper when I was a kid like by far and, uh, shout out to Redman yeah so I think like all the Redman methods that was just like yeah. taking me back to like school I mean, there's no I wrong really answer. Like Master yeah. Killer, like just on the fact of the obscureness of him as an artist of the crew, the most obscure. Yeah, you know his catalog is very limited, but it's also amazing. He out of comes with quality shit. Out of all the limited, like the the guys who don't have big catalogs, Inspector Deck, uh-huh. uh, Master Killer, and Say You God, Master Killer's uh, No Said Date album is probably right. the, the best of all of their solo projects, I would say. Right. So, but word, great answer. Um, and, and you know, Phonics, uh, anytime that you want to hop in, just grab the, grab the mic. I'm just doing a little bit of this back and forth with you. Mic. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, late, you got you want to go back and forth on these or you want me to keep going? Uh, yeah, bust another one. All right. Um, let's see. Either or. Primo or Pete Rock, if you had to pick one. Pete Rock. What about you, Fitz? I don't know if I can really pick. With that, it's, that's that's why I put it there so we can have a difficult time. I'm, I'm going off the first track that jumps to my head, and the first track that jumps to my head is the uh, Jamal Fades Them All Pete Rock remix. Yeah. I don't know why, but like I've been listening to that a lot again recently, and yeah. uh, you know, man. I think I think I probably have more tracks that I really love and put on a very high tier from from Pete Rock. But Primo just has so many other yeah, tracks that true. are just so consistently dope, and I think that I think that Primo's sound is a little bit more like easy to notice. Right, like right, he has right. a, he has a very like signature recognizable sound. Yeah. signature sound than, right. than Pete Rock. So I mean, but like they reminisce over you or like the Public Enemy "Shut Him Down" remix by right, Pete right. Rock. Those are crazy, crazy beats. So. All right. Yeah, and actually, uh, instrumentals. The original instrumentals was the joint that got me into like making music in the first place. Oh, word. Yeah. When I heard that, I was just like kind of blown away by that. And then it was like Soul oh, Brother. Shit. Yeah. I want to start making beats. There we go. Yo, Phonics is is really killing it over here on the 404 <laughs> with that with the with the drops of the effects. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yo, so um classic trope of a devil and an angel on your shoulder and the devil and the angel both have to be figures in hip-hop who's who oh do we have a jeopardy music that's that's difficult man i'd say my angel is uh dmx hey shout out to dmx that's 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 an interesting choice oh well you know he is very religious yeah yeah that's right yeah uh, my devil, maybe Suge Knight. <laughs> everything you ever hear about him is just like murderous yeah. and evil. I think that's everybody's devil. Like Suge Knight might be incarnate, devil incarnate. Oh man, what about you, Samurai? Oh man, I don't know. Um, I must say my angels, Big L. Okay. After you answer the devil question. Who's Mary and who's Jesus? <laughs> oh man, this is this is days of thinking right here. Um, 
Big L, my, my devil. Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, I like to preface it with the idea that like the devil doesn't have to be a person that is like evil, but it's just yeah, that yeah. part of your personality that would punch somebody in the face before you, you know what I mean, let them slide on some bullshit. You okay. know what I mean? The person that pushes you to kind of be an asshole, or you know what right, I mean? Right, right. I feel like when I was a kid, every time I listened to Mob Deep, I felt like I was stronger than i actually am yeah you, you know pierce somebody's brain with their nose bone feel like i could man <laughs> shout, out to ha- shout out to havoc and prodigy man recipes prodigy yeah dope what, yo phonics did we ask you this question i don't think we did on your episode i don't remember uh wow that's that's a tough one i haven't listened to like straight hip-hop regularly in a minute so He's a funkster. He's a funky little dude. A little bit, a little bit. Um, uh, hip hop is funk too, so true it is. Yeah, I guess Suge Knight probably would be the most evil. In- but I'm sure there's somebody like in the who actually raps, who just raps the most horrible bass shit. Necro. <laughs> Necro, yeah, maybe yeah, that's Necro. A, that's a very good answer. But Necro's like comedy. He, he's right. actually really dope rapper though. Yeah, he's yeah, got Necro, his production's yeah. crazy yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yo, that Necro project that he did with Cool G Rap, like oh, bars, yeah, bars, yeah. bars, the Godfather's joint. Yeah. Damn, this is dope, man. That's Suge hanging vanilla ice off the balcony <laughs> on a hat. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter like three days ago. I was like, oh, sh-. at first I was like, what the fuck is this? That's oh, an infamous Suge Knight story, I guess. As far as the good side, I don't know, like doing the right thing, I guess the first person that maybe comes to mind is more recent, like Odyssey, just because he has a lot more kind of grown adult content, like actually rapping about life versus just rapping about rapping. I mean, there's a fair amount of that in the ego involved as well, but... Do you, do you ever think that people can take it too far with trying to do the right thing? Like, probably my main example recently is Logic. Now, I kind of like some of Logic stuff. But sometimes I feel like he's trying too hard to to push a message. Yeah, I think that's for any kind of extreme thing. That's almost like getting to the extreme left, extreme right, right kind of discussion. Where it's, if it's too much, too hard, and it becomes like doctrine that you must follow versus right. here's information, use your critical thinking that hopefully uh-huh. you've developed as a right. human and make your own assessments and judgments on that. Then like I don't know it's different, but I think it's good intentions, mm. but I think for me it can be too much sometimes. Well, it's like crazy like hyper vegans or just like uh-huh. don't eat this. I'm gonna kill people who eat meat. It's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. In short, yeah. But yeah, I far. think I think logic's dope. He does his thing. <laughs> <laughs> So we had DMX yeah. and Suge and Dude, I said Big L, but I don't Big know, L I don't and know Necro. About, mm, I'm gonna say all right. I'm gonna say Necro for sure. Necro is dope for sure. Comedy way. From an angel, man. I think this. I think it's. I can't think of like who was the the, the first rapper that I can think of for like from back in the day that was really pushing like a positive message. Like cool constantly. Keith. Cool Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's do this. Who who was y'all's favorite MCs when y'all were 15? Redman, probably. Mine was definitely Nas. Yeah, until like 2000, I was just like Queensbridge rapped out. That's all I really listened to. 
Shout out to Cormega. Yep. Cormega, Mob Deep, Tragedy Gaddafi. AZ. Uh, AZ. Yeah. Well, AZ's from East New York, but. Uh, oh, I thought he was a Queensbridge cat. Well, he too. was like kind of rolling with them, but okay. he was on Nas's album, so everyone yeah. kind of just. I just, just assumed that. I think that's why I assumed that. But I like even like the obscure Queensbridge cats, like Bars and Hooks. You know, like. Oh, damn, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Uh, Capone Noriega killed the, the first CNN. Oh album. yeah, dude, that CNN yeah. album. The War crazy. Report is yeah, a yeah, classic man. underground yeah. album, man. That's like with 1997 yeah. that dropped. Yeah. That's, Mike Delorean. Yeah. All right, Alondis. Oh, my bad, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just saying, I was just Queens bridged out. Yeah. It's funny, man. Like when 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 I think back, like uh, the the first kind of hip hop I was introduced to, which from my uncle, it was like a big hip hop head when I was a kid. I was like 12 years old. Seems like it was a lot of like East Coast New York kind of hip hop. Yeah. Which I really loved and I resonate with that sound. But I got really inspired to make music when I discovered a bunch of West Coast stuff actually. A bunch of like uh hieroglyphics, Stella Funk Homo Sapien, Souls of Mischief, that kinda like more jazzy vibey stuff was stuff that I thought I kinda wanna make. Sure. We were we were talking about um, West Coast albums that were like winter albums, right? Because the East Coast has a very kind of like right. gray, overcast aesthetic and vibe to a lot of yeah. the music that was coming out of New York, just because, you know, that's right. how it is out there. But the West Coast doesn't really have that. So it's got a little bit more of like a sunny disposition, a right, little bit right, of upbeat, right. uh, even at times like more party-esque and, and you know, that kind of... <laughs> Right, yeah, right, right. basically the also whole vibe very, is like the way Phonics is dressed right now, just like you know, chilling, right. hairs out, nice t- tank top on. Yeah, you know man. what I mean, like that. I, so. I, I feel like I'm from the UK, so I feel like we kind of resonate more with people from like New York. Yeah. In terms of weather, and I think like in in terms of like UK artists too, like they're all miserable. Word. <laughs> Morrissey, miserable yeah, yeah. guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Like, and I, I feel like you know, it kind of relates yeah. to that kind of like gloomy gray. Word, I feel that. Let's get a Japanese question type of in here. Marry, fuck, kill. Choose one to marry. Choose one to fuck. Choose one to kill. All Japanese? No, um, no, not women. No, yeah, we're not <laughs> oh, going to get to the goon maneuvers. He's like Hitomi Tanaka, marry, carry pamu pamu. No, um, Kambinis. Family Mart, oh, Lawson, easy, and Seven Eleven. Mary fuck man. kill. Family Mart, Lawson, Seven Eleven's out of there. Kill Seven Eleven. Yeah, I feel you. Out of there. I'm gonna kill Family Mart, dude, for Ooh, sure. That hurts. Yeah, I'm a Family Mart guy. <laughs> what, what is Lawson's in there? I'm marrying Natural Lawson. Yeah, me too. Best beer selection, hands down. When we first started doing this question, we excluded natural Lawson's. We excluded all the little like supplemental joints, like okay. Tomomi in the dam. Okay. You know what I mean? So but we'll like, allow it. Just the, 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 but we'll allow the it. The blue, the green, and seven and I holdings. Okay. I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry Seven Eleven. Damn. I'm gonna fuck Lawson. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill Family Mart. See, I know you're not drinking the Kombini coffee. You're not. No, I don't drink coffee. That's that's the killer right there. You're He's not messing on that. Bud. That 7-Eleven uh, drip, man. Trash. <laughs> yeah, it really does something to me, man. Like I'm a real big coffee head, so like when I get on that 7-Eleven drip, I'm like, puts me. Hey, I start going through some. What? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trash. Yeah, it's out of there. Also, Family Mart got the best chicken, hands down. 
That's true. They got the family chicken, man. But the family chicken can get. What about Yamazaki Daily? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, Steez. They, they got though. the best name. Like Daily Yamazaki is an ill ass name, right? It's hard but to come by them, though. They're not everywhere. No. Or New Days. New Days is in the train station sometimes. New Days. Yeah. What, about what y'all know about Sunkus? Sunkus? I used Sunk- to have a Sunkus Sunk- near my house. Sunkus, I. Yeah. Don't ever go to Sunkus in your whole life, fam. I don't like how they got the food all out and shit. <laughs> Motherfuckers, you just touch it all over, put their hands on and sweat beads. I don't like it. So they we, got soft surface. We've talked cream. about this before, man. This is my problem with convenience and Odin. That shit's the most unhygienic thing ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Like all day, people just like leave the lid open and they just be like sneezing around it and shit. Sometimes the picture looks great though. Yeah, sometimes there's no lid. I don't ever, I don't ever get it because of that. It just seems like yo, I don't even. First off, I have no idea how long it's been there, and second off, I just saw Tomoyuki looking over it and shit. You know what I mean? While he was wiping his face. Hate it. Yeah, I uh, man, I don't know. My my Seven Eleven picks is I really like the tomago sando. Their egg sandwich is dope. They got these triple cheese kind of like corn snacks. They're really good. Family <laughs> Mart? No, Seven uh, Eleven. <laughs> but near your crib, they're all they're family all marts. family marts. I got six. My closest six are all family marts. The family marts crazy. You can be on like a corner and look to your left. There's a family mart. There's right. family mart. Family mart behind family you. Mart. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. Maybe maybe it's the fact that I've just been around it so much and i think i've tried everything they have to offer so many times that i'm just bored of it and when i see a 7-eleven i'm like oh man this is like some exotic shit right now for me <laughs> all right uh did phonics answer honeycomb <laughs> come to the honeycomb hat <laughs> um yeah i don't know if natural austin's excluded that kind of narrows it down I mean, 7-Eleven's got the ATM, and that's the only way I can get cash out. So. That's another big point for me right there, 7-Eleven's ATM. And they do have the dried natto snacks, which are pretty good. I like those. Family Mart, I mean, they're just accessible, honestly. I don't really have any convenient allegiance, but Natural Lawson, hands down. I mean, if Natural Lawson isn't excluded, that could be pushing my number one. I think from their beer selection, for sure. Beer selection, other kinds of food. It's just general vibe. Music selection is usually pretty good in there too. I feel like the uh, the family mart, like hundred yen snacks that at, at the moment, and the um, are pretty good, man. You can get those like uh, mm. the chips for hundred yen. They're just good like snack foods for when you drink. And they got the whole little Muji section, but I think more than more than just Law Family Mart have that. I'm not too sure. What about Lawson? Lawson's not bad. I'd say Lawson's Lawson, pretty maybe. good, man. Because they sometimes get the good stuff from Natural Lost. Like yeah, they the do. The Onigiri, which are all kind of crap. but Man, I, look, one thing I like is that you can go into any convenience store and pretty much buy a full outfit. Like, you can buy, like, pants, like, socks, like, a shirt. Like, if you're ever in, like, crisis, like, the convenience right there. They got right jeans there, in there? They, they don't do jeans, but you, you, you can, can get pretty much jeans. everything else. You can get, like, socks, a tie, a shirt. I have been in a crisis before and been like, where is the convenience? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great, right? Like, I feel they got your back. Family Mart's got your back. Yeah, but. you come out of there with a black <laughs> necktie made out of like paper towel and then, like a shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's go into the conversation part of the podcast, late. Uh, I got another question. Okay. Who is a producer you think is underrated? Like, not not anybody that 
you know like out here in the scene or anything but just like mm. like uh maybe back in the states notable mm. producer that from, should be more notable from now or from all time i guess all time man yeah. i feel like eric sermon should have been a lot been way higher in esteem along with Word. you know like pete rock and um, yeah I, I feel like he's kind of even rated below like large professor even. right and large yeah. professor isn't getting yeah. a lot of props yeah man i yeah i agree with that too i think like eric seven's done some of my favorite beats of all time can I can I jump in on this one too? I want to say Alchemist, man. Mm, mm. Alchemist has been making some of the fucking illest beats. I don't know since if Alchemist ever, is man. underrated. Dude, I, I feel like he just is not in the conversation when people are talking about him too much. No. Like, and so many of his vibes, like you remember the realist off of uh, Mob Deep's Murder Music album. Yeah. It's like one of the first of joints that is that whole. There's a whole scene in New York now that's like drumless, fucking really deliberate slow raps. Rock Marciano, Elucid, Ka, yeah. all these cats are on that. And like Alchemist is the first person I heard doing that shit back yeah, in yeah. 2000. Right. So and then his his beats very like th there's a lot of variety to them he makes like crazy beats for like uh um what's his face danny brown and then he'll yeah, make he does, like real man. boom bap shit with he evidence does, like really crazy man man yeah especially fucking rock stuff man rock's my favorite rapper right now like current right like newer rapper I think. i've been i've been playing out Dude. uh the bitter dose the, oh, the last joint uh Rosebud's Revenge yeah, Two, crazy. Too, yeah, dude. Muse, Hell uh, yeah. Kill You, like all yeah, those jokes are crazy. Man, um, Alchemist though, Alchemist been doing some super dope stuff recently. Budgie too, man. That kid's crazy. That, that, that uh, I can't remember what they're called. They're little split uh, tapes. They, they put out two. I think they're called The Good Book. And then one side is Alchemist and one side is Budgie. Oh, yeah. Budgie heard, stuff's really that. dope, man. That I'm shit with Joyce Rice is like yeah. fire. I think it's just called The Good Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volumes 1 and 2. They're both really, really dope. What about you, Fitz? Who do you think? He's like me. <laughs> nah. Underrated? Shit. I think Fitz Ambrose is underrated. Shit. Yeah, yo. Oh no, man. <laughs> uh you mentioned Odyssey earlier, Phonics man. Odyssey is crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, Yeah. You were talking Oh yeah, for production as well, yeah. yeah. I mean he's crazy. I mean I don't know if I'm really keyed into who's underrated and not rated. Um I don't know, Mad Lib, I know he's a god among many, but I think in a lot of ways overshadowed by everybody's like Dilla. Yeah. I like, agree with that. I think Madlib is definitely, you know, he gets a lot of props, but at the same time, I do think he is a bit underrated. Dude, for in what terms, he does, yeah, his catalog is insane. Mm -hmm. He's been around forever. Yeah. I, and I just think the the output is just ridiculous. Uh, we were talking with um, with DJ Spinner. From the you know legendary DJ Spinner, and we're, I was saying uh, that it seems as though that Dilla's resurgence, going back into sampling again and really changing up his style, which eventually would become Donuts. That whole thing seemed to be kind of inspired by what Madlib was doing and yeah. Madlib making that yeah. joint, and that's when they did the Champion Sound tape. Mm -hmm. And after that, everything we got from Dilla was a different aesthetic than what he was going towards because he was doing a lot of synthy, um, you know, keyboard beats for a minute. And then he went back to like sampling again. Yeah, like the Frank and Dank shit on ABB. Yeah, yeah, but um, I don't think a lot of people like are aware of just how much stuff Madlib did. Like DJ Rels, like 
Most people who do like tribute nights and stuff, they're probably not playing a lot of DJ rels unless they're like heads and like there's a lot of them. But yeah, I don't know. I'm also kind of tired of everybody riding on Dilla's coattails. Just like Dilla tribute nights, like too many. I've seen a lot of bad Man, Dilla there's, tributes. There is like, there is a lot out there. I think I think people's intentions are pretty good. I think raising money for for but for I don't know if they're all raising money. Like they're not. Okay, I don't think they're all. I think yeah. And then how you know Dilla's mom had beef with uh, house shoes and stuff. Yeah. Not to like get into a bunch of gossip, but yeah, that was like a little interesting. It's like right. how does the mom of the person you're supposedly right, right, really right. tight with have beef with you? Right. But I don't know. I'm not the most informed on that issue, so I can't really talk about it. What do you think? What do you think someone like Dilla, if they were around today, would be? would be making right now or would be thinking about this current state of hip-hop i don't think they would really be caring i think they would just make Do what they thing. make but i mean i don't know anything about dude's personal life yeah. so yeah i think if dilla didn't die um then we wouldn't have had that resurgence of mm. pe- people getting mm. into beat making i think that i think if dilla didn't die um even new jobbies wouldn't be as popping as, as he is right, and, and, and right. respected as he is. Uh, I feel like the death of Dilla and the like donuts coming out really introduced people into um, a change from instrumental hip hop albums. Cause a lot of people were going towards the trajectory of more cinematic music, like RJD two and uh, DJ shadow type of beats. But when Dilla died, people were like, I can make a, a, a 30 second, a 90 second track of a weird loop that is just strange. So I think, uh, to finish my thought, I think that the trajectory of hip-hop, I think it would have just been more underground still, and there would still be a beat scene, but we definitely wouldn't have, you know, everybody jocking Dilla and making Dilla-style beats. But, like, for me, Beat Conductor was already doing that, like, doing those collages, like Beat Conductor 1 and right, stuff. Right, 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 It was, like, one-minute tracks, like, double seven-inch. I think for me, like, Prefuse was, like, the first mm. dude that kind of went into this offshoot that went into this more electronic, kind of weird, kind of L.A. Yeah. beat scene kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of artists that, I mean, you could honestly yeah. credit. So. I, th- mm. I think it would have been kind of interesting today to see, like, Dilla's place in the hip-hop world, whether he would have been making tracks for, like, Kendrick Lamar or, like, where he would have been. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, where where is Q-Tip? You know what I mean? Because Q-Tip has okay. a lot of the yeah, same yeah, yeah. aesthetic, right. and I think that you know, like people just didn't. Well, Q-Tip is an underrated producer. When mm. people talk about beat makers, like sometimes Q-Tip doesn't even come up, mm. even though he was the the driving force behind most of those tribe beats. And both right. of his soul albums are crazy, you yeah, know. Right, so right, right. I don't know, man. But yeah, shout out to all of these Hell beat yeah. makers. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Right, man. Yo, did you guys uh, not? I don't. I don't, I don't want to go into a new section, but you know, low end is shutting down. Yep. Yeah, they're they're shutting down in August. That is just the end of an era. Low end shut down. Sweater Funk uh, just recently issued a statement. They're shutting down and uh, Funkmosphere. I think a lot of people are knowing how to do the exit at the right time move. I think so too. Leave think, while it's hot before like it gets yeah, all watered down. You don't want to do the Simpsons, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like you, you have your time in the sun, right? Yeah. And then there's there's no one went to leave and then went to get sunburned. Yeah, and also like being a little more selective too. Like right. we've done this for you know X amount of years, like a right. decade or right. more. Right, right, right. And then saying, well, we can do now more selective events, and this opens up the gates for like other people to participate. Right, in for like, sure. For, yeah. Yeah, you know, but Tokyo has that problem. Yeah, Tokyo definitely has that problem. 
but yo, I was gonna say uh, when you guys were talking about Madlib, that's a good uh, transition into the convo because one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is like as producers uh, nowadays the producers are kind of in the background if you're not like a super popular producer but if like the situation was flipped or if all of a sudden producers were like the superstars you know on TVs on the, on blogs and all the shit like everybody was like jocking producers is that like a something you guys would aspire for like that kind of notoriety or fame or like do you veer more towards the mad lip style of like he's not like super super notable but i'm sure he's always in demand he uh he's probably not hurting for you know people wanting to work with him or anything like which which lane is more appealing to you and i think do you want to be like a super producer like a scott storch or some kind of shit like that and i think uh <laughs> He's getting a haircut. What era Scott Storch? What era? After after the Miami Magic. <laughs> Way the after. Miami Magic? <laughs> Man, I th- I think uh I think when I was a kid, uh like the hobby of learning how to like spin vinyl and how to make beats was like enough and then once you can start doing it, you're like your aspirations kinda go crazy. Like you're you're a teen still. You're like, I wanna be huge, like I wanna do everything. And I think as you get older, your your aspirations for being like a super famous like beat maker musician kind of change. And you're like, if I can make money and I can support, you know, the people around me, and I can just do what's fun for me, then that's good enough. Then I, I don't have to be Skrillex or Diplo. Yeah, and I shit. think for me, like like now in the past like few years, like I'm comfortable if nobody knows my name and I just do my thing and it makes me happy and I got money. So. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't know if sometimes having that like dream in your head of like, I want to be huge, right? gives you more like energy, gives you more drive to like work harder and make more stuff. But yeah, for me, I'm just kind of comfortable just doing my own thing and being in this smaller community. If it does get bigger, then that's great. It's great for everyone, yeah. but I'm not actively seeking the any kind of spotlight. Okay, word, man. So let's let's go back then. Uh, earlier, Fitz, you mentioned that um, you're you're highly influenced by Pete Rock, and that's kind of one of the things that made you want to first get into making beats. Well, when did you start making beats, and um, you know, what, what was your first pieces of equipment, and how did you get into it? Uh, probably around the instrumentals time, and at that time, I was using. I got like I somehow got the uh, that software fruity loops i was just making loops on fruity loops when did that peach fermental come out was that like 2005 or six nah, or that, earlier that was like two that was like peach fermentals too peach fermentals is probably like 2000 something like that oh yeah 2001 actually yeah. i just looked it up okay yeah. yeah that's that is a really dope joint man there's a lot of tracks on there that are fire yeah down that really now, blew my mind when i listened to that it was just like wow like what is this guy doing? Because I always knew, like, Pete Rock, you know, Pete Rock and CL Smooth. But when I heard his his beat tape, I was just like, shit, like, you know, you can just be out there making beats and make little projects and shit. Damn, that's, like, I love hip-hop. I've been, like, listening to hip-hop my whole life. I can, I don't really have a rap crew with me. I mean, I got a couple friends that are rapping, but they're not really, you know, doing anything. So yeah. it's like... At that time, were you just a listener? Yeah, I've always been a listener, like, since I was, like, 
born i came out came out my mother like listening to music because my mother's like a big music music head so yeah i've always i'm always listening to music and where where was it that you grew up cape Breton, nova scotia canada born and raised whitney pier word word nova scotia like uh six twos from out there and shit from 1200 hobos yeah that's 65 too i think they're they're from uh halifax though the city okay I'm Word. from like a small island, like north of there. Word. Yeah. What about you, Submerse? When did you first get into beats and and how? Um, I guess my uncle. My uncle was like he's ten years older than me. He used to uh, every time I used to stay at his place, he'd be awake at midnight waiting for radio shows to come on with his cassette deck ready to record, uh, ready to dub a tape. Um, my grandfather, who was also a DJ, he was a disco DJ. And my other uncle was like a UK jungle and wow. dance music uh, DJ from the 90s. Oh, that's dope. So there was just tons of vinyl and tons of turntables in the house. And when I was a kid, it was the one thing you can't touch. It's like, don't go near yeah. the turntables. That makes you want to do it more. Boy, right? I'll break that ass. Yeah. That makes you want to yeah. like touch it more, right. right? So for years, I'm like, I just kind of want to just touch it a little bit and see what happens. Word. So I, yeah, I just got super interested. And then I was super lucky in junior high, I managed to get a copy of Cubase. Weirdly, and the first thing I ever made ever was a remix of the Jurassic Park theme song. Yo, wow. do you still have yeah. that? Do you have that? Man, I wish I still had that. Oh, this that was, was like, great. this is like, man, this is like 15 years ago, maybe more, 16 years ago. You're just trying to make some classic old school Wait, is that, shit right off the man, right out I the gate. I was just like so <laughs> impressed that there was a computer that you can use and push buttons that make sounds, and you can have a MIDI keyboard that plays a piano, and like, you know, I don't know, let's play music. I think I heard that beat like over the meme. It has like the bad flute on it. <laughs> That's you? I didn't know that was you. The <laughs> reason they had the one where they got like all the sneakers on and shit and high heels shoes on. Yeah. Shout out to that. Um, so yeah, I, like it was fun, man. Like to me at the time, it seemed like playing a video game, right? You start off a completely blank page and by the time you're done, there's all notes in here and like drums and shit. It's a track. And it's like the level is over. When did both of y'all start realizing like that there was a production process? Because I remember when I was listening to hip hop when I first got into it at a very young age, I thought that like the DJ was just spinning like old records and that was like the beat that people were using. I didn't realize that there was, you know, drums being sequenced and things of that nature. I had no idea how a beat was constructed. I always thought that the DJ was like the producer at all times. You know what I mean? When was the first time you realized that, that making beats was a thing? Man, I only ever thought that super rich people, studio professionals could make music. I didn't think like regular people could do it. Yeah. So I guess... That kind of was a thing though. Like at some point you needed to have Oh, dude! Some kind of money. It was. Like it was. Yeah. Money to get oh, the home studio didn't shit. start popping oh, man. until hella later. I was quite lucky to to meet a bunch of people in the UK who have been making like UK kind of like everything from like jungle music to like hip hop for from from years since the eighties. And they said, if you can't afford to buy a sampler, which was a, a lot of money at the time, like a crazy amount of money, yeah. then how are you gonna make music? Right. Yeah, I didn't even have a, a computer in my house until I was like 19 years old. I was already like a grown ass man before like there was a computer in my house. So like getting a, a studio and having like gear is like forget about it. Yeah, I, for for me it's like uh, the homie had uh, an, uh, a four track 
and he was just like, yo, watch me record this and then record it and record it and loop it and here's a beat. And I was like, you could do that? Like, yo, I'm just going to take this and, and make it. And it was like, it, you know, it turned out to be a much more complex right. process. But that's when I realized that people could make it. And then I guess around that time, like underground hip hop really started coming into fruition in the mid to late 90s. And everybody was making these lo-fi kind of right. like four track beats and anybody could do it. And that's kind of when I realized like, yo, production is a thing that is entirely possible. Right, right. But I, I say probably around the time Fruity Loops came out, which is like, you know, a cheap piece of, uh-huh. uh, you know, computer equipment where you didn't even need to sample. You could just, right, you know, right, sequence right. your drums on a step sequencers and, and make whatever. So that's right. kind of when interesting for me. Man, I, I think I was kind of lucky after like a junior high and like high school. We had um, we had like music tech things. I remember I remember getting Ableton 1.6. And they're up to ten now. I think oh, wow. I've been with Ableton for like since the, since the very beginning, and uh, I was just lucky that my local school was kind of had someone that was interested in kind of like the way music is gonna be and and all the and, and DAWs and stuff. So that's how I kind of like got into it in, into doing music. But I remember I remember the first time I ever you we we got a home computer right. I was like a little kid, and we had the internet, and I've never heard or seen of the internet before. So I'm sat, I'm sat with my mom, and she's like, this is the internet. Like, you can go to a website. Like, what kind of thing do you want to look at? First thing in my head is... Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> in the first thing in my head, I, I was listening to a bunch of, like, West Coast stuff at the time. I was like, yo, Death Row Records website. I wonder if they have a website. <laughs> so I go to www.deathrow.com, and the first thing that comes up is a bunch of dead inmates. And my mom is like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's the last time you got to use the internet in the house. I think I think I had a little break after a uh, while from that. I didn't understand it. Well, before I get into talking about you guys being here in Tokyo in the scene, I'm curious, like, what type of equipment are you guys using to construct your beats and make your music nowadays? Either of you can go first. Okay. <laughs> I currently I just use like a DX7 uh, Ableton, and that's pretty much it, man. Like my my, my thing has been. Um, I feel like if I stick with one thing for too long, like things kind of sound the same. So I kind of switch stuff out or I'll sell stuff before I buy new stuff. So if I if I own a synth and I see a synth I want, I'll sell the synth I already have and get a new one and then focus on that for a while just to try and make different projects, different EPs and LPs sound different. Uh, but yeah, currently it's it basically just, I've never really written sampling so much recently. It's all just uh, DX7, Contact, uh, Ableton, um, I love DX80s-esque Casio M1, Juno 106, kind of like emulators and stuff. That's been pretty much it for me recently. Word, word. How about you, Fitz? Uh, I make everything on MPC 1000. Before that, I was using MPC 2000. Uh, but I also make like a lot of uh, collaboration projects. So like if I'm working with him or with Chad, uh, Repeat Pattern or buddha i go to their spot and just work whatever they got so sometimes use ableton sometimes use the machine or uh yeah mpc back and forth sometimes sp404 for effects and shit i think it's pretty anything i think it's cool to be thrown out your comfort zone sometimes and use something you're not used to other people's Spots yeah, well. like I, I use a 404 too, or like an MPD, or the new one, I don't know, they're really thin. The, what? The pads are really great. It's like an MPD, it's like an MPC, 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, control, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, that's so crazy how cheap those are now, too, man. They're like super cheap, and they're really great too. They're so much better than the old ones. I got my first MPC two. I had a two thousand, not the XL. I had an MPC two thousand that I got from eBay for like seven hundred dollars, and one of the pads was broken, and I still had to go out and buy an <laughs> iOmega zip drive and a bunch of hundred megabyte <laughs> disc to get it popping, you know. But right. now, like, you could pay forty bucks and get yeah. yourself a little like MIDI controller yeah. with some, you know, velocity sensitive pads and and fucking do yeah, that. Man. So everybody has the opportunity now. It's it's the the fact that anyone can download free loops for free. Well. Not legally, but Pirate Bay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and just by themselves, like a twenty dollar, thirty dollar mini controller, basically gives everyone the ability to be a producer, which brings in this whole crazy saturation of like a million people trying to make beats of what's hot right now, or like whatever it is, which is really great. I really like it. Did you hear that Dilla tribute I made, where I where I flipped a sample that he used? Um, and it was like a tribute because I respect him and I really wanted to like send it to his dead soul to show him how much I respect him by using the same sample no but I did hear uh, 1,365 tracks on SoundCloud that use the same deal of snaps (laughs) (laughs) for some reason like a while back some Portuguese kid had like messaged me and I'm like why are you messaging me like I'm not really at some sort of like level where people should be messaging me asking me for feedback and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. But for whatever reason, like, he sent me some song, and all I heard was this, like, click over and over, and I was like, these drums sound like you got them off Welcome to Detroit. He's like, yeah, yeah, those are Dilla drums. I'm like, all I do is think about the fact that they're Dilla drums, and then that click. He's like, yeah, I can't get rid of that click, because um, it's in there permanently, and the track is finished. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. You're fucking fired. It's, 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 it's difficult, man. I think when there's so many people trying to do stuff, I think everyone has good intentions. So they're just trying to make music that's nice. People influenced by stuff that they enjoy. I think your optimistic outlook, I'd be hating a little bit harder than that, though. I'd be, I definitely would be hating on this kid a little bit. Like, come on, man. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also, like, right now, I think it's the best time to, to be an artist, like, music or whatever, just because of the platforms that is at everybody's disposal. You can just you know make your shit and have it out there so like we were just talking like it used to like back in the days like you just couldn't really make shit and put it out there now that right. that's available i think that's really right. amazing we're in some amazing times right now i think right what do, what do you think about with that ability to access platforms say such as instagram or other forms of social media where there's like kind of almost two camps if you want to just make it black and white there's people who focus on their product and what they're putting out and then people who it's much more narrative it's like them or their life or their image because you can scroll through certain people's pages i'm looking for music or at least a video clip of some music all i see is your face and like i felt great today so i took a picture of it i love you internet everybody's like oh my god that's so great 596 people like this wow you're so beautiful yeah i love it hey you got a new haircut bro nice job (laughs) just rolled out of bed you got like full makeup and like pancakes right next to you. Yeah. Looking like yep. a slab today. Yo, Farnes, you got a new haircut, bro. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. My self-esteem just shot through the roof. You're, you're, you got 300 likes, man. That translates to like real life value of, I think, of how you should be feeling about yourself right now. So, I mean, with that access, 
pretty sure both of you think that it's possible without really selling yourself as an image to get your product out there and have it be heard, right? So the thing when uh, when MySpace was kind of like its big thing, I remember a lot of older school cats being like, man, you kids are so lucky. You have like a platform now where you can upload your shit online mm. and people all around the world, if they want to, can listen to it. Whereas back in the day, we used to press it once the records and they release it three or four record stores if other stores are friends with those stores they might buy three or four copies and then that's how you spread your music around you you can really do it online i think like that myspace days was kind of special because you could reach out to fellow people doing something similar to you and you can connect and you can make friendships you can swap beats you can do all that stuff i think now it's gone in such like a polar opposite where it's so saturated that like i get tons of messages of people saying like how how do people listen to my shit how do i get my shit out there I'm like i have no idea right now because there's so much of it i can't think of a way to differentiate some people from another unless your stuff is like on some super next level mm. extraterrestrial shit unless you're you're so proactive online in being on um, the instagram and all these sites and, and messaging labels and people being like hey dude listen to my stuff but if you if you message somebody who owns a record label now on instagram saying hey would you listen to my stuff I guarantee you that the same day, 40 other people have done the exact same thing. Mm. So is it harder than it was back in the day or is it more hard now? Like, it, I have no idea. Like, it's really difficult. I, I don't know if these, like, tools have improved everything for the barrel or now they've gone so far they're, they're actually making it worse, right? They're putting too much sugar in that coffee to the point where it's just kind of killing it. I think the quality of artistry is kind of like you're subjected to a lot more music now that is just not very good just because everybody has access to it so you get guys that are making these beats that are completely derivative or you know the mastering or things of that nature are just poor all around and so now because there is such a massive amount of music people that really are talented it's harder for them to stand out if they don't have something backing them and pushing them to the forefront to to get that type of recognition but at the same time i think that like a lot of low quality music is more popular now like like very simple digestible stuff if you listen to like um like lo-fi hip-hop like you know this this genre name lo-fi hip-hop is tremendously popular it's like the new ambient like college kids use it to study and everything like that yeah. and there's inherent quality to it but like there's so many people that can just make those beats right. very easily that artists who are really making dope chord progressions uh -huh. or doing really interesting right, things, right. it's harder for them to stand out in a playlist of 50 other people who made more right. McDonald's-esque type of quickly disposable music. That's super so. interesting, especially the lo-fi hip-hop thing recently. I'm not... I don't want to like the It's like the new ambient. Dude, I don't want to name any names because... Uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> you know a lot of people making it right yeah i just recently done some stuff for like some people and uh, their budget has been insane and they are classified as lo-fi hip-hop and their ability to to be online and, and know how to tag their stuff it's like bedroom study lo-fi hip-hop chill japanese ambient beats yeah. it's like the first thing that comes up when you google it when you youtube search that shit when you like soundcloud yeah. people's like uh, people are figuring out ways how to market themselves in insane ways now and they can be like really unknown people but they can be racking up millions of plays yeah. online and they're not necessarily doing anything different than the next 60, 100, 200 kids sampling this like uh, Ghibli movie piano right. line and playing that lo-fi SB404 then Running occasionally through a couple every, of pitch filters and right, shit, every yeah. 10 seconds is that 
<laughs> yeah, my, oh, I don't know about AKs. <laughs> no. But yeah, you know, the AKs so, have silencers on. I, that. I think like this whole thing right now with these young kids is interesting because it seems like not only are people learning how to make beats, but they're learning how to manip manipulate the market and how to to promote themselves higher than other people are. I feel like it's a two way game now. I feel like it's fifty percent what you actually make and 50% do you know how to make people listen to it do you mm -hmm. know how to tag it the type beat thing I don't know if you type beat has been like I still can't wrap my head around that currently the number one way to promote a beat that you've made is to upload it online and be like uh, DJ something something the track's name Drake is type beat yeah. Kendrick Lamar type, type beat, beat yeah. right? I but, mean there's some notable producers in yeah. the industry now who yeah. got famous by typing in like you know J. Cole type right beat. and this mm. ASAP Rocky's like last record three of the tracks on there he found through going on YouTube and searching for ASAP Rocky type beat it's crazy and then he found these kids and was like i'll buy that beat from you like the the whole tight beat thing it's like it's a again this is just as important as the actual beats themselves it's almost like how corporations are functioning and how they're just mining social media for right. like people right. to either promote their shit for free because so many people like will promote a lot of brands and stuff without getting any money without getting any sort of like free products or anything out of it it's like yo i just picked up the new new balance the new nike or the new puma or this puma's like great free promo yeah yeah exactly but then if it's like done well enough or if it's done with enough people who are following you they say oh you you're, you've got a bit more sway than some of these other people do you want to work or like we'll throw you some cash or we'll throw you some gear exactly the the music industry at large is a hard thing to kind of like pin down and figure out what's going on there's so many weird things like spotify playlist manipulation title manipulation type beats um you know what i mean like it's just so crazy uh, i'm curious what you guys think about the tokyo scene and the general level of like the the way that the shows function the artistry out here and and your thoughts on working within the tokyo community for me you know i have been around uh, I had been around uh, lots of different type of hip hop scenes growing up uh, to varying degrees, beat makers, DJ shows and things like that. And what I found, what I think about Tokyo is like, there's such a huge level of like mm, creatives out here. There's such a huge number of creatives out here that it's kind of hard to find like who really stands out within the community. And uh, I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's easy to recognize, but for, you know, some other people are a little bit more average. Like, like earlier, we were just listening to a, a Devin Morrison beat and like Devin is crazy on the keys. You know, there's guys like that and, and, and both of you, obviously, and Aaron Cholai. But what, what do you guys think about working in the scene out here? What can can you just speak on your thoughts in Tokyo in general or the artistry or the people? I just want to know from oh, your man. perspective. I, f I feel like... Um all that stuff we were just talking about with the with the tight beat in the market, I don't feel like that really applies in Tokyo. I don't feel like people do that really out here, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I feel like the most people that I meet who are Japanese and, uh, and make beats or, or do stuff, they they always tell me like, "Oh man, I really want to release from from an international label. Like, I really want to push myself." out in the west more than just domestically but they're not willing to do like a lot of like tactics to like really like push their uh their stuff out in the west you know what i mean like they're not going online doing like tight beats or trying to do this like bootleg um guerrilla style marketing and stuff i feel like sometimes they seem quite content just being in japan doing their own thing having their own collective but 
a lot of people I know do want to be big in the West and they do want to release from like international label. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's not easy for a Japanese artist to really, you know, break through outside of Japan. I think there's a lot of, you know, on top of just the language, I think it just takes a lot of confidence for them to, people in Japan, Japanese people to, you know, somehow make that connect outside of Japan. I think there's some people doing it though, like just naturally, organically, they're just, you know, catching waves out in the world somewhere. So. I think also there's a little bit of a now's a good time with the internet because of all the interconnectivity. Like with a minimal amount of English and like a dope enough product, you can interface with a lot of people. And a lot of people are on this super like Japan fetish outside of Japan. Yeah. Like definitely. How did you guys (laughs) end up in Japan in the first place? Uh, I originally came out here uh, teaching English. I was working for uh, Nova, the English. The OG school. Nova? Yeah. Um, Hate it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did you? No. No, it was cool. I mean, like, they pretty much hated me. You know? I, like, what you're looking at right now, when you're looking at me, you're looking at the most refined version of me. Like,. <laughs> You know, like seven, eight years ago, I was a different type individual. So I, I understand that. You were more like grimy and low key, hat bill low before? Yeah, like Word. just probably wasn't the type of dude that is going to, you know, prosper in a corporate environment. And that was my first job ever. Boom. You know, finished university, didn't know what to do. I was collecting records at the time. I knew Japan was a hot spot to collect records. There was like recruiters to, you know, teach overseas. And there was like a couple countries for options. I was like, you know, I know Japan is the spot for for records. So I'm gonna go out there and, you know, just see what happens. And then uh, I was living in Sendai, actually. I ended up in Sendai for like uh, three, four years originally. I wanted to come to Tokyo, but somehow I got like curved to Sendai. You know, like the dude at the recruiting spot was like, yeah, you like, if you like record shopping in Tokyo, you can do that, you know, one hour on the train. It's like an hour and a half on the train, no problem. There's like no Google Maps or nothing at the time, so I was like, oh shit, that's sweet. Boom, I'm, I'm down. Boom, got to got to send down. I was like, shit, like, yeah, that nigga tricked you. Far, <laughs> this is real far. Is there like a scene out there where you participating in making music and in you know gigging out there? Uh, not really. It's like kind of. Shory's from out there, right? Yeah, I Who? think so. Shory Bradshaw. Oh yeah, yeah, she is actually. Can you talk to her about that? Can you tell us the story of the first time you took the Shin concert? Oh shit, yeah, like I legit thought that the Shin concert was like some rocket shit. (laughs) So I was like looking around, like, damn, you guys don't got seatbelts on and shit. Like, Like, you better hold on to your drinks. Like everyone's all relaxed and shit in here. Because I thought it was just like, you know, just lift off. You just get on this bullet train and it's like, you know. But, yeah, it wasn't like that. 
<laughs> so anyway, I I've was... never been on one, man. I've never yeah. been on one. On the Shinkansen? No, I think I took it to like the airport and shit. No, you didn't. No, but well, I never been on a Shinkansen, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. Shit. Is it like now? See, I was expecting a rocket too. Shit, I would have tried to brace for you know oh, what I mean. Take off. You've I mean, never been on the Shinkansen? I don't think so, man. Usually, I fly when I go somewhere or take a night bus. Damn. Mm. It's actually uh, an amazing ride. Uh, yeah. It's like my it's my favorite way to travel in Japan, huh. hands down. No doubt. You go downtown to downtown, like no airport. If you go to like Osaka or something, downtown to downtown, boom. Man, you, man, you got that freedom that. too to like walk around when you're on the train. Yeah, like, it's smooth. Some of them know? have bars on there. Yeah. And I need to uh, make oh. some changes in my life, guys. Yeah, oh, man. You know what I mean? it's very relaxing. You got that right. extra money to do so. You can, it's you expensive, can. man. It's really expensive. Yeah, it's like twice as much as a plane. Dude, it's three times. It's four, five times as much as a night bus. Yeah. yeah, but yo, if you're on a bus going somewhere far, like that takes a lot of time. And yeah. next that's thing true. you know, like wherever you turn up, you're not ready to go. You're like, yep, that's Damn. also true. Like, yeah, I was. Know. I took a. I took a night bus to Kanazawa, like Ishikawa Prefecture, way on the other side of the, of the island. And shit, I just, you know, I just got drunk. I don't think you can get a Shinkansen out there though. Oh, word. Uh, you can. You, can? Uh, you got to go like not direct. I don't think, but yeah, I think the there. the easiest way is to either fly. Or get the bus. I've taken the train there, like yeah? I've taken, yeah. But I didn't go direct from Tokyo. I went from. Cause like, there's mad mountains you gotta go around. Yeah, you gotta like get to the actual like Nihonkai side and then get down from there. But no. So, uh, y'all are planning on staying out here in Tokyo for the time being, just chilling, continue making the music and um, the scene out here. Oh man, I, so my original plan was to come out here for one year. That was seven years ago. <laughs> I was coming out. I was coming out for one month. Oh wow! Okay. And, then I, and that was seven years ago. Dude, basically, it's, it's infectious, right? Yeah, man, yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I got no plans right now. Like, I don't really want to go back to the UK. No, no. Why not? To, no, just to the UK. I love the UK, man. Let's go England World Cup tonight. Let's go. Hey. Or nil. Um, <laughs> let's do but, a world tour. UK. America, then let's go back to the UK. We'll go here. No, we got to go back to We got to check out Nova Scotia. <laughs> no, let's yeah. just go to all the Brexit and 45 oh, places. Let, let's see. <laughs> word, word. I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know if you feel the same, but after being out here for so long, you feel that, like, you, you build a life out here, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think my, my friends back home, are, they're all doing their own thing. They got, like, wives and kids, and, and that, you know, they met other friends, and they had their lives. So do you. Yeah. yeah, but out here, so yeah, I yeah. don't feel like any attachment to go back, you know. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, man. I'm just. No, me think, neither. Yeah, I renounce my kingdom. I'm just gonna fucking stick around <laughs> in Japan. Yeah, where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Southern California. Okay. What, lived in the Bay for a minute. High school in Hawaii. So, I mean, Hawaii's dope, but I mean, oh, it's man. too fucking expensive. I'd love to. I'd love do you to got go a, Hawaii. Do you got a spot that like is your like? What I call home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like. I feel like the Bay Area is kind of home because that's where I was kind of an adult and, and came into shit. But all my family's moved from the Bay, so I probably see Southern California now. Like, uh, uh, you know, between San Diego and Los Angeles, my folks are out in Temecula. Funny, you probably know where that's at and shit. So, yeah, like, I, if I if I went back to the states, I can't see myself living away from California, and it just seems too damn expensive to be out there. But you're not a uh, Dubs fan. No, I'm a Lakers fan my whole life. All day. Yeah, my whole life. 
I don't even I, I didn't even think about the Clippers or or you know Golden State for, for years. Trash. Get get out of here. Who was who was when you were a kid the the player that that pulled you in that was like this is my team right here? Oh uh, well, my my dad was a Lakers fan, oh, okay. so I kind of like a before fan. I used to watch like he was already watching. Right. But you know I grew up and I would go to Inglewood like every uh-huh. summer, and so I would go to the Great Western Forum when they were playing the Great Western Forum. Nine dollar ticket, get to see Kobe, get to see you know what I mean, and oh, like yeah. yeah. So I was just like yeah. Yeah. I'll be sitting way up in the rafters and watching the the, the, <laughs> the game on the screen, but you know what I mean. Right, but, right. Like the energy was just like, yo, this is this is my guys. I'm a Lakers fan and I'm a Raiders fan. And, right. Yeah, that's not gonna change. That's the LA set right there. Yeah. Double. No doubt. Nobody's fucking with the Clippers. Nobody's fucking with the Rams. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's it. Yo, Mega Late Show episode number 40. We're here with Fitz Ambrose and Submerse. We'll be back in just a minute. Shout out to Phonics on the 404. The AK. Waking up some days and it's like stuck in my head. And I'm just singing it in my head all day. This is the jam. Oh, dude, it is, man. His uh, his YouTube channel just cracks me up, man. Yeah, dude. He, his, and it's uh, crazy. He's like wildly successful. He got like ten thousand followers yeah, on it. You know. Yeah, so. man. His uh, Okinomiyaki with the homies cracks me up. Yo, so that much, is actually man. the jam, right? You should release that man, shit. I I came home uh, a few weeks ago. My wife's in the bath. And I open the door and she's just in there singing it out loud, top of her voice. It's the jam. <laughs> Word. And that's right. Welcome back to the Mega Late Show episode number 40. We're here with the indelible Fitz Ambrose and the mighty, mighty Submerse. Beatmakers here in Tokyo, some of the best. And we're going to let you know where we can find, where you can find their music um, after we go into the weather report. And for our listeners that don't know, the weather report is where each of our guests share a track that they uh, want to share it could be something they made something that they like or whatever and uh, right now we're going to go into Submerse's pick and uh, Submerse can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to play uh yeah so uh I've been spending a bunch of time in arcades recently specifically playing the arcade port of Street Fighter 3 Second Impact oh, oh shit that's very specific yeah. yeah it's super specific and uh I had a bunch of time to kill in Okinawa because uh, the typhoon, so I beat the game for the first time single player. I wasn't trying to play against other people, and the credit roll super great and really interesting. And uh, the guy that did this soundtrack, he's done stuff for um, Dead Rising, uh, a bunch of the Capcom video games. But I found it kind of interesting that these kind of these kind of guys and girls that make these video game soundtracks will go off the current trend of what's going on at that time so whether it's like hip-hop whether it's kind of like house kind of music or whatever popping at the time but 
obviously they don't specialize in this kind of music. So I kind of found this guy's take on. So this game came out in 90, 1997. The soundtrack was probably made around 96. I kind of find it interesting to hear as someone who's a, a versatile producer that makes every kind of genre, depending on what the client asks for, version of the current trend. So the soundtrack was super housey, hip hoppy, almost kind of like smoothed out Keith Sweat, New Jackie kind of stuff, bunch of 808s. Who's the name of the person that made it? Do you know? I need to Google it really quick. Uh, our guy Scott Popular probably knows. He runs like some gaming shit, and he probably <laughs> fucking knows, man. I think it's uh, Okayama something. I can't remember the dude's okay. dude's uh, dude's first name. Hideki Yokogawa. Mm, I'm gonna Google it while the track plays. All right, yeah, yeah. Let uh, let it let it let um, it go. Okay. Oh oh shit! I got the exit source on now. There we go. You should be good now. I just hear Late's music. That's actually submerged joint right there. Oh, yeah? Is it playing? It should be. There we go. Oh, wow. This is the uh, the en- this is the end credits roll of Street Fighter Three Second Impact, which was originally a Japanese arcade game, but then they ported it to the Sega Dreamcast. Yo, this is yo that whole soundtrack is it's really great. Fire. Yeah, Ken and Alex's stage. Word. It's like my yeah. favorite song. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, like I, I just find it really great that you know, like these producers can be kind of asked to make anything of yeah. the time period, and they can just kind of nail it so well. And the limited space that these uh, these arcade uh, chips had, and the Sega Dreamcast, Sega Dreamcast CD, so it's kind of a little bit different. But working within that confined realm of you know, you can only have this many tracks, you can have this much sound, you can have this much bit depth. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. Yeah, this is dope. And shout out to our guy Cal Combs who did the music for uh, one of the characters on Street Fighter Five. Ed. Ed, the character Ed, oh, our nice. guy Cal Combs, that sponsors the oh, show. Okay. He, did, yeah. he did the music for them, and That's they kind of dicked him around. And at yeah, Sony. no shout out yeah. to Capcom. Yeah, no, yeah, Capcom, not Sony. That. Yeah, but yeah, they jerked him around. But this is dope. It, it for some reason it gives me kind of like a 1980s like uh, Miami Vice kind of. It sounds like or a some backing shit, track you, know I mean? you might hear on some like Michael Douglas show Black up, Rain, but like some 80s pop Japanese yeah. song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Baseline's crazy. Yeah. yeah, super dope. Yeah, this is pretty dope, man. And I think I don't know whether it's like uh I think the track is really dope, but I think when you get to the end of that game, the sense of achievement and the adrenaline rush that's going on when you hear that track, you're like, I feel extra strong for this. Yo, do you play second second what 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 is I it play third of? strike. You play third strike. Yep. Not sec, not the second one. No, I uh, oh, okay. I, I pretty much exclusively in game center. Okay, because I was gonna strike. ask. I, I thought you said you played the second one. So so this is this is Street Fighter Three Second Impact. That's what. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. But okay. I just play Third Strike. Yeah, because when you said Second Impact, I was like, yo, that's very specific. Yeah, it's super like, specific. Only play that version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Word. yeah, I remember I had the uh, the like anniversary pack with like all the Street Fighters on it, and it had. Uh, 
third strike on it uh-huh. and ever since then man i can't even fuck with the new street fighters Dude, i don't I, I only like like right. the sprites and the parry right. like that's my shit man me yeah. too man I, I exclusively play third strike so you're a you're a big gamer then yeah yep well, you know, uh, I, I, I've told you this before, but the first time that I had any interaction with you was playing Overwatch. <laughs> and, like, I was playing Overwatch, and uh, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it was, I, I don't want to give out your gamer tag. You can but, do it. You uh, can okay, do it. well, it's like Submerse Beats, right? Yeah, Submerse Beats. So I was like, this this can't just be, like, some fucking random dude <laughs> on the same Japanese server. And I was like, that's got to be him. And then I looked down, and he was also paired with Stupid Kozo. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I was yeah. like, yo, I'm about to fucking wreck these guys here. <laughs> and I think I took a picture of it. It and then sent it to Dallinger, and uh, yeah, that's the first interaction yeah, playing man. Overwatch. Yeah. Now, now I don't, I don't really play Overwatch all that much anymore. I'm on Fortnite, but my wife is racked up like a thousand hours of Junkrat or some shit. Yeah. Hell she, yeah. She, uh, she, she mains Junkrat. That's but a good main, man. I, I flex. I like well, him. he had his time in the sun, you know, when they he buffed did. him. But yeah, it, he's not, his he's not useful for everything. His two yeah. impact mines made, yeah. made quite a big difference. But really, really do. Yeah, but but yeah, shout out to Overcat, uh, Overwatch and video games and shit. Get on get on Fortnite so I have somebody to play with, man. My clan doesn't play with fucking me. So. But, but word, man, this is a good choice. And um, I think I'll put it at the end of the podcast for our listeners to check it out. Uh, can we go ahead and see uh, about uh, what Fitz has to share, man? Word. I'm just, I'm not even going to look. I'm just playing like. Yeah, switch up the mics. Here we go. You're not even going to look? You're just going to just drop something? No, it's just whatever's in my playlist. Oh, okay. Is it is it your stuff? No, it's just like. Okay. I, I got my phone right here. I mean, let's describe the situation. My guy right. has plugged in his, probably the iPod <laughs> Nano. Yeah. Third <laughs> generation. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Second generation. I mean, I got my phone right here, right? Okay. But I'm not rocking with music with this recently because, okay. like, this shit's all, you know, it gets mangled up and okay. shit. I'm on the bike all the time. It's getting rattled no around doubt. and shit. This is a little more, you know, heavy duty. Okay. So when I'm getting active, moving around, I use this joint right here. Okay. When, when was the last time you updated that with music? The other day. Okay. Okay. Ah, so, here we go. Okay. So this like, is, this is like a random selection. Just something's going to come on, and we get into the mind of Fitz Ambrose. I'm just gonna whatever is in here is. Yeah, we should. Here. This is what I'm listening to. That's a new segment. Hey, yeah. 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 What's on the yeah. what's on the what's on the decks? What's in the deck? Oh, let me let me put it up. Here we go. Maybe we're out of power. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, let me oh, let okay. me. No, no. Here we go. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh shit! It's going down. Uh, okay. Watch it be like a porno soundtrack. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, we brought it back. Bad boy. <laughs> Yo, I haven't heard this probably since around the time it came out. Hey. Rash. Way we smash. What was the name of this album? No way out. Don't be a player. This on Puffy's album yeah. or Mace's album? This is Puffy's album. Yeah. Probably no way out. I think, I think it's no yeah. way out. <laughs> <laughs> he hit us with the old shit. Like, hold up. What an oh, era. Shit. That was a good era, man. What, what do you What do you feel when you compare Puff to Jay Z in their like entrepreneurial adventures? 
I think um, I don't like puffy. I don't like puffy either. Right. I don't know. There's 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 a personality I, I love quirk puff about puffy because so many people don't like him. Anyone that like people don't like for kind of like petty whatever reasons, I'm always like I like this guy. So yeah, the favorite comedians like Dane Cook, Carlos Mencia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who them cats are, okay, but yeah, I probably yeah. fuck with them. Uh, word, word. No, I think there's a lot of positive things to be said about Puff Daddy, but at the time that this the Jiggy era was really going down, right. you know, I had sided with the underground cats and the four, the four elements hip hop head shit. So like I was even hating on Nas around the 2000s when he started. Becoming Coming more don't hate me now yeah. you can hate me now yeah, with the shirt off on like top of shit? the car no yeah. i don't like that yeah. but on the, the crucifix and shit yeah at yeah. the same time it's like whatever you know they're doing it their thing never. i feel like that's a it was kind of awkward period right yeah. in the 2000s i feel like everything I mean, rap, like if you look at rap sorry to cut you off but rap gets awkward sometimes yeah right i mean i'm not hating on anybody doing their thing but like you know, there's awkward shit in life. You know, one of one of the 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 most like the things that's changed. When I was younger, I had a lot of vehement hate towards these type of cats, right? right. Just because I thought that they were exploiting the culture, and that was not really the culture, or whatever. But um, you know, uh, over the last few years, I've grown to respect cats like Master P, because Master P was an independent cat. I didn't. I don't, I'm not talking about his music right. so no, much, no, no. but what he did I, as I a love mogul. No Limit, by the way. Dude, I was yeah, literally just about to mention No Limit's impact in the yeah. in the early 2000s, even when Snoop Dogg was on No Limit, and there. Says the the when he first started making money is when he went to Master P and Master P was a mogul. He started off selling tapes out of his out of his trunk in Oakland and and like you know when I look at that and and his impact in the culture, I think it's really important. I think he's an important figure. Yeah. And I feel similarly about Puff Daddy. It's like these cats were kind of the the first opportunities for people to make money off their music because successful artists back then while they were making money they were still being more exploited right. by the music industry and the people behind the scenes who were not of the culture anyway uh -huh. so you know while while we might be like yo fucking you know uh what illmatic was and represents man like that's a great album but but the money that Nas was making off of that is not even like it it touched so many other people's hands before he even got his hands on it so uh I was a puffy hater during the Jiggy era, but I respect it now. Right. You know, and, and the type of black excellence for Puffy, uh, that's dope. I right. still think he's a cornball to this day when on his interviews and the things he has to say and the way he acts. But yo, respect, respect yeah, yeah, yeah. to what, what is he? He's not puffy anymore, is he? P Diddley, P Diddy Puff Puff. puff. No, know. he's no. brother love, brother he's love. love, yeah, he's brother love. love now. Yeah, brother love. Yeah, his, Man, I, his mama name him Puff Daddy. I'm gonna call him Puff Daddy. Yeah. Man, when, when I think of early 2000s hip-hop, the image in my head is every album cover from a No Limit release. Oh, yeah. That, like, really was it light, CG was it light and blinged no. out kind of, like... Yeah. 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 Have you seen that infamous cover of, like, the guy with the bears? Yeah, Big Big Bear, oh, I think yeah, his yeah, name yeah, or yeah. some shit. Yeah. Big Bear, yeah. That yeah. cat is dope. What about um White Dog? <laughs> white Dog is like, yeah, man. Shout out to all those album covers, man. But for real, man, like yeah. No Limit and uh, also to a lesser extent, uh, Three Six Mafia. Yeah. Like yeah. their influence is yeah. super heavy now. Yeah. Everybody out of sure, Florida man. has just yeah. taken that like, style and tear, run with it. Tear the Club Up was like crazy when it came out. Yeah. Like I knew cats that didn't even like southern rap at all like didn't right. even care for outcast yeah. it was like yo tear the club up is pretty dope right so, word man but actually Fair three up. six mafia if you're like a real like hip-hop head they're like uh 95 96 album 
You're gonna fuck with that heavy, yeah. like the hypnotized oh, mind era. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna fuck with that heavy. Yeah. All right. All right. Is this still is this still his jams right here? Yeah. Oh, right, let me, let's pull it out. It got real sensual. <laughs> what, is, what is this? What is this? It was just playing. Is this, a mine? Is this a mine? Yeah, yeah, that was you. Here we come out of it. There we go. Who was that? This is in my little. This is what I'm listening to. Oh, okay. This is baby making a playlist. You know. Hey. Shit. The jam. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, Puff Daddy, man. I was a big hater of mainstream rap all through, like, the early 2000s. I would check up on Nas' albums. Is this, albums is this my shit playing? No, right not now? anymore. No. Not anymore. Me, I... When the this early... is you, though. Oh, yeah. I got really confused there. I was like, <laughs> sometimes yeah. I don't know what's going on. And when the, when the early 2000s hit, my, my passion for, like, current hip-hop definitely took a dip. Yeah. And I think it was because I just didn't really resonate so much with a really big Southern influence and yeah. like some of the some of them differently produced stuff. Like it took me a minute to get really used to like Timbaland's productions. And, oh, and, really? And yeah. Like at first, I loved like, him since he came out. I, like Aaliyah. I, I am a, Magoo, I'm Magoo. a huge fan now. Yeah. But in those early 2000 times, when the sounds I would hear in tracks were more electronic and not so sample, jazzy, like, had that kind of aesthetic to them, that they were sampled from a record, like, it took me a minute to get used to it. And then once I really got into, you know, like, Timbaland's, like, stuff in, like, mid-2000s and then, I don't know, like, Outcast stuff, N.E.R.D., like, a bunch of that stuff, it really opened up an even broader uh, spectrum of hip-hop for me than even the 90s did when I was pretty much stuck mainly in the East. For me, it wasn't so much like the, the sound qualities of the of the beats and the music because I, you know, some stuff is not made to like listen to on the headphones. Some stuff is made for the strip club or the club. But for me, the reason my interest in mainstream uh, rap music started to decline is because of the content. You know, like uh, all of the kind of opulent, I've got money type of, you know, um, voicing that. And, and as we got into like the snap era where like the Southern rap started to really dominate right. a lot of the shit they were saying was just right. not resonating for me at all it's like i don't like i can see how this is dope in the club but right. i don't need to listen I, to I air force the, ones and i felt the exact same way about the game and 50 until yeah. i had my second car which is a jetta i think i was with my friends and i just had a sub putt in the trunk and those albums just were totally different. I get different. it now. Totally yeah. different. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I got it. That's it how I feel great. about a lot of music, like some shit that I don't want to be listened to. Like hearing it on the headphones is much different than when you got the bass rumbling your entire torso, you know? So like Bodak Yellow by Cardi B, like on the headphones, I'm like, eh. But if I hear that in a place with a system, I'm like, oh, I, yeah. get oh I, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. This is where to go. And that's, that's every day's struggle for being a producer when you sit down to make something and you think how do i feel right now you're like do i feel comfortable am i at home do i want to make something for people to to vibe to and listen to in their headphones or i got a show next week if i crank out this bass and turn this into a club track maybe people i'll get some cheers right. you know mm -hmm. like to, to how, how do you how would you how do you guys like your music to be consumed first like, is it do you make music for people to listen on headphones computer speakers or you know a system i try not to think about it but i mainly make stuff just for me in my headphones but then when i'm in the mixing stage or in later stage of the track i'm trying to think how can i also make this work in a club 
Because I think the balance is the most important thing. If you can have a track that makes people chill out when they listen to headphones, but make them lose their shit when they're when it's in a club, that's the dream. That's that's like the you've the succeeded. Per- yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like the perfect medium. Word. How about you, Fitz? I, I did. He's like, I just uh, make the shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For Figure real, it dude. out. <laughs> I don't really think about that shit. To uh, be honest. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I'm mean, not thinking about it at all, <laughs> thinking about stuff too much is a bad thing. Word up. Yo, Lady, do we got to get out of here, man? Uh, nah, we're good for a little bit. I'm right. Shit, let's talk about some of this news stuff that's been going down there, man. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of news going down. Nas just sold a pharmaceutical company that he had money invested in, so he might be getting close to making a billion dollars now, which is good for Nas. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, what else, what else happened? Oh, um, as we were talking about outside, uh, the Spotify Drake shit, right? So Drake's new album dropped, and Spotify went on a massive marketing campaign and made yep. every single thumbnail for everything on there. Um, platform a Drake picture. So even if you're listening to fucking ambient death metal or Amish yep. electronica, Drake's face was plastered all yep. over the fucking thing. Yeah, that's what's up. Which is a crazy thing for them to do. Yeah. But what happened was that there was a huge backlash within their community of people that didn't really care for Drake, saying that they paid premium so they didn't right. have advertisements right, right. and you're advertising an album. So for our listeners, if you go and complain to Spotify, they will give you a month for free. So get on. That's what I hear. Yeah. If you yeah, complain, yeah, yeah. they'll give you too. a month for free. This, this, so even if you like Drake, just do it to get a free month. This mm. uh, this reminds me of a few years ago with the U two scandal on iTunes. You oh, remember this one? All, just everybody woke up and they had the the U two oh, yeah, album yeah, yeah, yeah. on their on their cell phones. My iPad still got that album on it. <laughs> yeah, they were like, what? "Oh, you're so blessed." A few yeah, years yeah. ago, U uh, two released an album uh, with with Apple. And what happened is everybody woke up and then they had this YouTube album on their phone. It, it was automatically just like automatic download and it was free. So YouTube's argument was like, We're giving you a free album. Why is everyone complaining? But I, I think that's yeah. still I think that's just still on my Apple TV. Dude, I still got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Great it, album. No, I just I never listened to it. I'm just dude, saying. I, I was so outraged. <laughs> yeah? Did you I get- was so pissed, man? Because yeah. like like it, this is taking up memory on my phone yeah. from an album that I didn't even want. Right. Like, how can they? How could they do that? Yeah. And they tried to play it off like, "Oh, we know all of our users will love having this YouTube yeah, album." Yeah, yeah. Fuck YouTube, yeah, man. Yeah. Fuck Bono. He's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never met the guy, but I agree with you just off bat, <laughs> which means it fits automatically like some shit, right? <laughs> it's like you hate him, I like him. <laughs> yeah, word. Now, like, uh, I, I would be, I would have been a little bit vexed about it too. Like, but, but it's, it's just interesting. You know the marketing push that Drake has. You know his album right, when it right. dropped, it, it was a mil- it was platinum certified platinum already, uh-huh. before people got their hands on the album due to the album streams from I'm Upset and um, God's nice Plan. What? Yeah, oh yeah, God's I mean plan. all three of those tracks. So I think um, it's interesting, man. The way the I think game like is. him or not, he's such an influential guy because oh, yeah. every time he drops an album, he'll do something new, and then for the next year in hip hop people are trying to imitate that same kind of thing like he was one of the first guys that incorporated a bunch of dancehall and shit into the mainstream hip hop yeah. and a bunch of people were trying to do that stuff yeah I think 
he's definitely very good at finding like um, yeah. waves and vibes that are yeah. really good sounding and then bringing those to larger masses right, because right, he has right, such right. a large fan base uh-huh. i mean his type of fandom is kind of like m&ms in the in the early 2000s where m&ms like started hitting white america that was not familiar with hip-hop and then all of a sudden hip m&m became this household name and drake kind of has that level of notoriety yeah. through degrassi um him working within the sports realm as well right. like hosting espn so even if you don't listen to drake at all like you've come into contact with him and you see him as yeah, a celebrity First off, I feel so. like the difference between him and Eminem is I feel like Drake is definitely like sonically trying to change the game every time, which is pretty interesting. I don't know, it's 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 hard. Like you, it, it's hard being uh, a fan of like hip hop from from years ago and also today's hip hop and trying to separate the two and think that you know this is where it is now. This is where it's come to. And we, if there was no innovation, then I mean, maybe, it is what it is, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's not that shit ain't that hard. It just is what it is. Like it's not that complicated. I don't really have a. I don't have a difficult time reconciling like the the state of hip hop. Like I think hip hop is in a great place. I don't have any complaints yeah. about it in terms of there. Like if you if you are a type of cat that only likes like ninety three style boom bap hip hop with those yeah. type of lyrics, yeah. there are several artists who are still making that same vibe and aesthetic. that are yeah. super dope. No matter what you like in hip hop, you can find it. If you right. if you don't even like rap music, but you just like these lo fi beats like that, you could just stay yeah. in that realm the whole time. And it is a beautiful time to be alive yeah. because there's so much of it everywhere so i'm perfectly fine with drake doing whatever he wants to do in the mainstream Uh, i think one of the biggest issues that i have with him is when i get into conversations with people who have an ahistorical view on the history of hip-hop and and the things that were considered appropriate and not and in in the way that the game works and so when i get across a fan that's telling me like a quality of his that I don't agree with is kind of where I'm. I have right. to downplay his greatness. And when I'm getting bombarded by his music, you know, if I was a Spotify user, I'm getting bombarded by his music. Then I'm just and I don't really care for it. I'm like, fuck, like let me get off that. Like, yeah. do do you have to cut dominate the conversation? So like, let me get this straight. In the Amish pop disco playlist drake is in there no not his no. music so, but the thumbnails for it like all of them are pictures of drake so the the, the who, made, who put the thumbnails yo, spotify so I, t- I saw a tweet recently which maybe was, he cut a deal there yeah, was obviously a, there was somebody obviously. recently who tweeted out uh, a screenshot of uh so he says the spotify's algorithm is supposed to be really good it's supposed to recommend you stuff that you'll like for sure so his favorite music was uh i think it was like black metal folk music and uh it's like peruvian pan flute music it's the only thing they ever listened to but they got an alert on their phone was like hey we thought you'd like the new drake album mm-hmm. why don't you check it out their homepage yeah. is drake the rec- top recommendation is drake you listen to arm you listen to, to peruvian pan flute music therefore you should like the new drake right I feel and, like that's kind of fucked up. Well, and, well th- I mean, that's fine if that's fine if you're not a premium user. But if you're a user that pays for no advertisements, the entire platform oh, becomes an advertisement. Yeah, then that kind of seems unfair. Mm. You know what I mean? 
Like, maybe you don't want to look at Drake. Maybe you're some type of, like, you know what I mean? Real racist dude or some shit. Like, you hate, you just hate that. Like, for whatever reasons, if you don't want it now. So, what, what, the reason I brought this up is because, one, I think it's pretty fucking funny if you go to listen to your, like, black death metal, like, you know, aqua jazz or whatever the fuck you're listening to. And it's like, instead of it being like a saxophone picture or like, you know, you know, uh, fucking Winston Marsalis or some shit, it's got Drake's face all over. And you scroll down, it's, it's a bunch of, like, pictures of Drake looking all right, pretty right, and shit. Right. So that's fucking hilarious, yeah, I man. Like that <laughs> that's too. fucking great. And like the idea yeah. of uh, Spotify's official playlist of 1800s classical uh, European composers and the top picture just being Drake. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's fucking great, man. It's like you go to watch like a. Uh, you go to watch like you know uh, 1950s television show tunes playlist, <laughs> and it's like a Drake picture in a wheelchair from Degrassi. That's fucking wonderful, man. But yo, he must—he's got to be getting fucking paid off of that shit. Oh man, got to be getting paid off of that Drake shit. Drake is caking on fucking next up stuff. Crazy, how much money? Shit, but good for him. A also, billion streams. A billion. A billion. Like to- career total? No, this album. No Billions yeah. nothing for A billion total for Drake He's like way up uh, there Well a billion sounds, Seems like a fucking huge number I know, But I mean right? if you're getting Nah that seems fucking crazy though First record to do that Wow I had no idea That's fucking crazy Pitch Pitchfork gave her a 6.9 Yeah I did see that I did see that Yo Nice What's that mean? 6.9 six, 69 six, nine. The 6 god Yeah the 6 god <laughs> No it just It means that it's a fairly average album Is what they think Yeah but it's also kind of became a meme because it's six. What? Six nine. Yeah, because 6. The, 9. the album the album is six point nine review, right? And Drake is like trying all the six, so they call him the six god. But the album is the first album that he's done that's got two sides, an A side and a B side, and then a six is just a nine upside down, so it's six point nine. Oh shit! So man. there's a bunch of memes. He really is in the Illuminati, yeah. fam. Half yeah, life, I know. I know. Half Life <laughs> Three confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Half Life. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> well, what, one more bit of news before we get out of here. Um, uh, Keith D says that he was in the car with the person that shot Tupac, and he's been mm. in jail for a whole minute. That's right. what I wanted to yeah. talk about. He's oh, been in jail yeah. for a whole minute, yeah. and he's, had, he's got like terminal cancer or something, so he wants to release the information about who killed Tupac yeah. before he Damn, died. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. When does uh, this just came out? I guess it was in a uh, like a BBC documentary or some type of documentary, they, they and he mentioned on, it there. Yeah, they put it on and, Netflix and too, right? Yeah. They just made a series. Made well, show. there was a there was like a like a uh, like a reenactment series. It was like about the cops working and shit, and that that was kind of trash. I watched that, but it was really informative about the, the 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 Tupac and Biggie case and how they could be related and who they right. thought the suspects were. And this guy was one of the suspects, but mm. they couldn't really get anything on it. So he did this documentary, and in the documentary, he mentions like who does it and, and where he was at and so this spawned like a federal investigation and now that they think they think that they're close to making an arrest or some shit i, I didn't read the rest of the article but no everybody's crazy. dead what's the terminally ill dude saying he's saying that he was in the car with the person that did it and he knows why why they did it something like that he said he was in the passenger seat yeah. and there were two guys in the back and he won't say who fired the shot but like people have been thinking about like you know which side the car was on and like the window like because he says somebody shot over somebody else because the story is one guy was supposed to do it and i guess he chickened out so the guy that actually shot the shot reached over and shot over the window so people have figured out who's in the car and who was sitting where and pretty much decided who fired the shot 
I feel like it's it's kind of like anticlimactic though. Like something about it just doesn't feel like anything is put to rest with the whole case. You know what I mean? Like his he's gone, his mother is gone, and it just feels like even if even if we found out tomorrow that it was fucking Compton ass Terry or whoever the fuck it was, it just kind of feels like even though the book it would be closed, it feels like they're still unfinished. Like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, in life, yeah. there's no resolution. Yeah. No. So. But too I don't much know. time has passed. Tremendously right? unfortunate, man. That's also why I don't like Puffy, because I'm pretty sure Puffy had a hand some in do, it. Has shit to do with that? Yeah. I mean, Suge or Puffy. <laughs> How do you, you feel that um, Suge Knight's been represented in these current movies and documentaries? I, and I don't think they've got an actor that looks like him enough no. for me to, <laughs> to really get it. Wait, what other movie? Oh, I didn't see the Tupac movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't he, was, he, was, he came off really bad in Straight Out Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wasn't getting straight out of content. And in this television show that they got on, um, I think it's called Unsolved, the the big in Tupac uh, investigation or something. Uh, He he definitely don't look like Suge Knight in that either. Like Suge Knight's supposed to be like physically imposing and kind of scary. These motherfuckers look like big ass teddy bears. Like you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I don't know. Suge's in a fucked up place too, man. He's locked up for for murder right now as well, running somebody over. One of Dre's homies over. Damn. One more piece of news. Or anybody else got anything to say about that? No. Uh, they just got the guy, the two guys who said see murder, committed murder, to recant Yo. their uh, their testimony. So there's a chance he may be getting out. Also, I saw that today. Oh, wow. I didn't even I didn't even look at the video though. I saw it on YouTube. Like um. New evidence about C murder because he's been in jail for like what 10, 10 years? 15? 15 almost. Yo, that's crazy. Uh Master Yeah, we were talking about No Limit earlier. Yeah, Master yeah. P's brother. Yeah. Wow. Next youngest brother, I think, right? Yo. Crazy. All my life I thought he was the older brother. Older than P? Yeah, my whole life. And then uh, I read the article, I was like, what? He's younger? Right. How old is Master P right now? He's gotta be like fifty, yeah. Oh. Pushing fifty. Know, yeah. Yo. Right? NBA player. Master P. Yeah. Raptors. He, he's he got skills, man. He's got the fucking, like, yo, they were all ballers. I think Silk the Shaka and all of them Silk, were fucking ballers. His son Romeo also is a uh, college baller. No shit. Division one, I think. Yeah. No, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Who's the, uh, who do you think is the best current player, basketball player, who's not in the NBA, like rapper or. What? Who's Quavo, the, Justin Bieber, Justin Quavo, the, Quavo's the best got the handles. current uh, basketball player. What? The best Joe? current basketball player who's the, like that a rapper, is not a, like is college not a, college uh, player, yeah. NBA player. Oh, I don't know anything about rapper? college. No, 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 no. Like like rapper or like singer or oh, okay. like celebrity. Oh, the celebrity, celebrity, celebrity yeah, yeah. baller. How would Hold you up. know? Celebrity baller. Well, some of them Probably. post videos of them ballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. Quavo is supposed to be pretty Qua- solid Quavo's too. Quavo's pretty good. He's like, a, he's like a crazy athlete. I saw a video of 21 Savage playing yeah, last week. But, uh, yeah, but Dave East is like Division One. That's right. Dave East does once, got the once handles. You, once you're like a college baller, it's rap. Like, yeah, you, that's real skills. No regular people are really fucking with right. you. Right. If you're in the States and you're playing Division One ball, it's kind of a rap. Yeah. I heard that I heard that Quavo is some type of crazy athlete. Like he's got all these records in his college for playing football and basketball. Yeah. Or not college, but his high school for playing football yeah. and basketball. I've seen clips of him. He's balling. Yeah. What, what's crazy though is like, what is he like five foot five? He looks yeah. like a he looks like he weighs about a buck thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Hart. Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Stefan Marbury. 
He's a, he plays in the CBA. Yeah, he's in the Chinese. That's not, that's not the NBA though. CBA legend. <laughs> <laughs> he's NBA, a legend though. out there. Actually, yeah, I actually he is. Follow man, his huge. story out there. I've been yeah. really up on his. C- the CBA story. is the best, man. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything better in my whole life than the CBA All Star Dunk Contest. Really? Wait, what is this? <laughs> Dude, you have to check this. Are you are you being facetious? I'm or being, being serious? super serious. What? The, the CB, are they all this, wearing Marbury uh, kicks? Man, they all try and do what is the current thing in the nba but you'll probably get like if there's 10 dunks overall only one of them will actually be a dunk <laughs> like it's hilarious man Damn. it's so funny now i gotta watch this i'm yeah. gonna pull it up immediately i think uh i think there was some shacked in a fool uh moments on there but holy crap man I this cba all-star game is just like Yo, are dunk contests like trash now? I haven't heard. I haven't seen like any dope. There's been a couple. Good They've ones, been pretty you know? good recently. Yeah. The, the yeah. last year was incredible. What do y'all think about LeBron never uh, being a part of the dunk contest? I, I never does thought he really needed to be yeah. in there. I, I think there's people out there that have got maybe a bit more style and some original ideas for dunks more. than LeBron does. LeBron's all power, man. He's yeah. just. He's, I think he's just a great kid where he is. He's like if Jordan and Magic right. Johnson had a baby. Magic, Weird magic baby, <laughs> magic baby <laughs> needed a drop right there. Magic Jordan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the awkward drop. Phonics took off. I forgot to mention Phonics took off. He had to go do a show tonight. Uh, but word, uh, should we should we wrap it up late and do a weather uh, the weather forecast? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, thank you. Oh no, wait, fuck. We didn't talk about the album at all. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> Can we talk about the new oh, album? Yeah. 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 Oh sure. my god, we should have done that at the, the end of the. Okay, but yeah. Yeah. Give us give us that first. How, how did you guys decide to work together? And um, I think in the past few years we made like the odd couple beats and stuff together. And then uh, my last record, I just really wanted to do some tracks together to see what happened. And those two tracks were easily my favorite tracks, but they came out kind of really easy. I think I played those today. Yeah, they, they were super easy to make. And then, uh, I don't know, I guess we were just probably drinking outside. We were like, maybe we should do a couple tracks, maybe do an EP. And then before we knew it, we had a few tracks. Word, because Fitz, you work with a lot of people, a lot. Like, you have a lot of collabo albums with other producers notably uh, buddha bros you and buddha monk man those are really dope projects how do you decide because i know a lot of people in the scene are tight and it's a lot of if your styles mesh together but how do you decide who you want to work with and then actually making a full project like that i mean that's a question for both of y'all this this is the first collab project i've ever done i'm just like hanging out and you know when i'm chilling with my homies and shit we just Sometimes it comes together. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. How did this project come together? It's already released. What's the title? Yeah, I I, I didn't even know that. Uh, What what I mean is like, how did it come together? Y'all just made the tracks, and who is it out on a label? Uh, Weren't you working with? uh, Aren't you like a label head with Onra or something? Did I hear about this? Yeah, we got a little. uh, Actually, Arnold Onra is he he owns the label. It's the sub label of. all city i'm just sort of helping them with like uh, some ideas a little bit of creative input uh that's mbn mbn records and uh nothing but net yeah we released my uh a, a beat tape that i did a couple of years ago did like the uh, lp and cd cassette no quarters yeah 
uh, also gonna release some stuff with Devin on NBN. What's the what am I talking about right now? Man, like <laughs> our our shit, our shit was like, <laughs> yo, that's the most Spitz moment. <laughs> Dude, our shit was like, let's do an EP. Cool. Oh, yeah. We're talking about that. Yeah, and the then video. a homie of ours, Chad, repeat Pan, he, uh, he's American, lived in Japan for a while. He runs a label called Borrowed, B-R-R-W-D. And uh, we finished these tracks, seven tracks. He wanted to release it. Their partnership is with Jakarta Records in Germany. Uh, they released the vinyl, and, and that was pretty much it. Super simple. Like we what, make. What's the name of the project? The project called Villa Rosa. Villa Rosa. So vi- the Villa series is seven buildings in uh, in Tokyo, in Shibuyaku, and they're all called. Uh, they're all made by the same guy. So every title of the track names is named after one of the seven different buildings. Ah, uh, interesting. Is this the really famous architect? Yeah, yeah. He super famous. Almost all the buildings in Tokyo? Um, his kind of like specific style was like, they were made in the 70s and 80s, but to look yeah. futuristic. He so. made Amotisando Hills yeah, or yeah, those yeah, apartments yeah. over yeah, there? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, what's the 90s going to look like in the future? So there were seven specific buildings that he did. So now one. it's like a retro future type Re- of look? Yeah, exactly. Like a, retro future. Like so total recall and He shit. was just walking past one night with some beers and I think you just like Fizz just looked over and saw Villa Rosa and boom that's it nice <laughs> and then uh, we just built the project around this this Villa series of titles uh, but yeah that came out like a month ago uh, all that information that we researched after yeah. picking the name yeah 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 like what's what's up with this building what's yeah. going on here it'd be cool man I have to check that out I, I didn't even know about um what is the other project you came with? Head, head nautical? Hypnotical? Yeah, I didn't even know that came out. The last joint I bought from you was Doe Quarters, and that's been on heavy rotation for me. Same with your album. Uh, yeah, Submerse. So that's what yeah. I've been listening to. I didn't know y'all had new shit coming out. So this, we were kind of quiet about this. Like, we're, we're, we're trying to do um, a deluxe, <laughs> deluxe CD version right now with some, like, bonus tracks. And then we got, like, a music video that's coming out in, like, oh. A couple weeks. Okay, our listeners pay attention to that. We'll post it on the page and stuff. Yeah, like that. I think sure I think we're gonna give this album another really big push. We I think we've just been so busy that when when a project comes out, you know, you you, you post it on your own social media a couple times, but that's just kind of as far as you take it, and then you're busy doing the next thing. But I, I think uh, we're gonna give this one another big push and, and hopefully get cool, some more man. numbers on the on those. Very lessons. cool. Yeah, it's out there in record stores. Yeah. also like. People that are buying records, you know, like yeah, Sport you get a 10-inch now at Jazzy yeah. Sport, Disc Union. Disc it's on our Bandcamp, borrowed, borrowed Jakarta Records Bandcamp, um, Spotify, all those, all those good places where all the cool shops, kids are at. Shops in Japan. I well. just want to say thanks to y'all for joining us. Uh, uh, where can we, where can we find your music? Uh, you just, you can just Google me, Submarus, Google. Submers uh, music, yeah. Well, if you Google, it's just going to give the definition. That, like, nah, I think I took the I took their place. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, hey, I've been doing it recently, man. Manipulating yeah. that well, algorithm. Excuse yeah, man. me, right? Uh, man, it's just uh, yeah. Uh, Instagram Submers, Twitter as Submers, Spotify Submers, SoundCloud Submers. Everything's just Submers. I got in there really early before anybody else did. Dope. Word. How about you, Fitz? Where can we find you? Uh, Instagram at Fitz Ambrose. Dollar sign S. Uh, that's a good question. I should really know about that, but 
We'll put the links in the show description too. Everything is at, at Fitz Ambrose, I think. I, I don't think like the what's that? The web addresses. I don't think you can put dollar sign in there. Okay. So I think it's either a regular S or you know what I'm saying. I think the algorithm will pick it up if anyone's ever right. searching this shit. And the Villa Rosa project is available yep. everywhere on all the platforms. So go check that out. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna pick up my copy today, y'all, and do the same. Please. And uh, do we have any upcoming shows from y'all? Do you guys got anything uh, happening in the next few weeks? This episode will come out a week from now, fr- okay. next Friday. So anything after that? Actually, on the 21st, uh, I'll be having a little uh, farewell party for Devin Morrison. Oh, where? At the uh, Shenzhen Hotel. Okay. So myself, Samaras. Uh, Buddha Monk, Aaron Cholai, and Devin. of course Devin. Yeah, definitely gotta hit that. Yeah, yeah everyone should yeah. come through to this shit. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go through. Yeah, Devin's the homie. I gotta. Yeah, man. Say what's up. Um, we're gonna throw down real hard, man, before he heads back to the U.S. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. That's my next show too. Twenty first. Um. Yeah, my homie Stupicozo has a show on the 4th of August at Bachiko, which is a Saturday night. Uh, me, him, uh, a bunch of local dudes, and a bunch of homies from Okinawa who run uh, parties down there are coming up. Bugseed and shit? I don't think Bugseed's coming up. A friend of mine, Boot Bear, uh, he runs like parties down there right on Kokusaidori. I think I've been to one of his events. Probably, probably, All yeah. vinyl event, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh should be a good show man like it's 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 nice people from okinawa like get people from tokyo to come down and play shows so it's always nice to return that favor right and, and bring some people up here and show them a good time but yeah man apart from that show this hotel what's the hotel called Shin- uh, shinsen hotel shinsen hotel man oh 21st. is it near shinsen like near shibuya <laughs> yeah Oh, oh shit! Okay. I can walk there. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. right on. Hell yeah, I'll be there. Please bring your friends, bring your 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 parents, your grandmother, your Absolutely. your cat. We'll, we'll your definitely did, push that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys say that's on the twenty first? Twenty first. Yeah. Okay. Which is Saturday, the twenty first. Okay. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll be there. Got to say, please uh, to, uh, day, to the homie. Daytime show, right? Uh, I think it's like uh, evening before midnight. Okay. Okay. Cool. Type thing. Yeah. Word. Cool. 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 Yeah. Hey, do we have anything late? Uh, shit, hold on, my phone just locked up. Um, on the 20th, uh, PMA featuring A-Track is going down at Sound Museum Vision. Uh, shout out to A-Track. Uh, also, Tuxedo yeah. on the 18th at Midtown, Tokyo Midtown. That's a set. On the 14th, Saturday, 3P Boys and Motenders presents Mac Shack. That's Kick a Show, Tai Young Boy, Marzi, and a whole bunch of other people. That's at Lounge Neo. Rejoice Finest on the 15th at Contact. That's uh, Shingo 2, Sauce81, yep. Ribedaru, a.k.a. some kanji I'm not going to try to read, and a whole bunch of other people. Man, I haven't seen Shingo 2 perform live yet, man. That guy, I've known about him well before I moved to Japan. Shout out to Sauce81, too. Also on that same day at Harlem, uh, Never Broke Summer SP. I guess that stands for Special. That's a Bad Hop, DJ 8-Man, DJ Chari, DJ Keo, Tommy NT, DJ D-A-I. Uh, and the rest of the week... Oh, Tuxedo's going to be at... Is this Rapungi or Blue Note? This is Rapungi. This is at a Billboard Live on the 18th. And 
That same day, the 18th, at Club Bed, there's going to be a beach show called The River. Do you guys know anything about that? Mm. No, nah, but Club Bed is right down Fitz the street. Fitz is nodding his head. What, you, what's good with you The River? You played there, right? Yeah. I, I, just got, I think I just got booked there, too. Oh, where? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to come check Bed. that out, man. I, I, mean, I didn't know Club right Bed there. did beach shows. Oh, man. I am so stoked because I never played in the Cape of Coral. I don't think I've ever played here, actually. It's a pretty notable uh, hip-hop venue, man. Yeah. Bed is kind of very popular. A couple of their DJs been getting pinched for the marijuanas recently. <sighs> Get out of it, homies. Figure it out. But word. Oh, uh, also, every Monday, so on the 16th, uh, me and my guy Akira will be doing Smooth as Eggs in Azabu Juban. That's every Monday from 7. And then in the future, Speakeasy is going down on August 1st at Hotel Koe. You guys know how we get down. Anderson uh, Pack on the 31st as well. Oh, snap. Oh, National. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yo, I got to buy tickets for that soon. Like next if, week. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a Tuesday night. Oh, I, I can't make it. And uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, I have a show on the 27th. Vibes at Harry Sandwich Shop. So y'all roll through Harajuku on a Friday from Dallinger's also got a birthday party. Uh, his, his birthday is going down on the 28th. Oh, yeah. It's not my birthday party, but it's a happy coincidence. I have a show on the 28th at Heavy Six Zero with uh, Lidley and Yagi, and uh, I think Woka is also playing there. Kav. Woka. It's a cross. Oh, oh man, Woka. Woka. Yeah, Woka. Yo, man, that's, that's uh, not on the calendar. Al- Alto, you gotta give, me, gotta give me the info. Event. And then also on August 12th at Sofa, there's a release party for uh, Taji Mahal and Yagi that uh, I'm playing at too. So. I think the album's called Wave Motion, Tajima Hall's new project. Yeah. Something like that. Should be dope. Yeah. Uh, I arrived in Okinawa last week for a show. The day I arrived, he was playing in Okinawa. Hey. Just killed it. Yeah, it's nice seeing really that dope. dude playing uh, some good weather, some tropical no vibes. Yeah. Throwing down him, Bugsy, yeah. Lee. It was a good show. Yeah, they're really dope. Shout guys, out man. to all the beat makers out here, man. And uh, who, what, what have we been playing on the podcast uh, this episode late? Lots of exclusively Fitz Ambrose, Submerse, Buddha Monk, and Phonics, and Devin Morrison. Devin Morrison. So all the homies, man. Yep. So if you guys got any questions about those tracks that we're playing, get at us in the comments section. Oh, a little bit of Street Fighter also. Okay. Just a little bit. Power. And shout out to Puff. Daddy. Puff, daddy, puff, puff. All right. Yo, this has been episode number 40 of the Mega Late Show with Submerse and Fitz Ambrose. Find all their shit, listen to all their shit, support them, buy their music. Mega Late. Thanks for rocking with us, guys. It's been fun. Nah, oh, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Glad we get to learn about you guys a little bit, find out what's going on. Mega, wolf, wolf, mega.